First, would you give me a personal privilege? Betty Jo, what a wonderful sight to see your family on the pews together. And you too look great. I'm sorry. There's one fellow here special in my heart, in my life. My son, Joel Kiffin Jones. If I took the time to tell you what all he's allowed me to be a part of, it would be exciting to you. It is still exciting to me. I've flown with him to Florida and California, and and I'd rather fly with him as to ride with him. (laughs) He counts the cattle sometimes as he drives the car, but when you get up so high, you can't count cattle. And uh, thank you, son, for your presence tonight in God's house. I know you've prayed, but uh, I just want to pray with you, okay? I thank you, Lord, for the spirit of your love in this place. This people have shared love to me, oh God, that I don't guess I deserve. But you've loved me through the church, through the years, and I praise you for that. I praise you for a pastor who teaches and loves the people. Bless, I pray, the pastor and church here at Bethlehem, their ministry. May they increase in love and be strengthened in your grace and power to reach those they love for your name's sake. Now, Lord, if you wish to use me tonight, I'm available. I thank you for study time, but there's nothing like delivery time. So if you can speak other words than I speak tonight, and they'll hear something more than what I say, I'll praise you for it one day. But I just asked your blessings on my study time, and now the delivery time in your name's sake. And with all who've prayed, we say, Amen. In preparation for God's message tonight, it comes from the book of Romans. In preparing, I read the eighth chapter of Romans, and as I read it, I wrote down some words that I thought the scripture was saying to me. You ought to do that sometime. It's a good experience. Just reading the scripture, take a pencil and say, now, what's that saying to me? When we believe and trust the Lord for salvation, condemnation's gone. The new nature comes alive. We have love and joy and peace. We're saved, free from the law of sin and death. And the law was weak through the flesh. And God sent his only begotten son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. And he condemned sin that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. And the saved will walk different. Saved 
We don't live and walk according to the fleshly desires. The saved have a battle with the carnal living. For carnal living and righteous living won't mix. Carnal living promotes death. Sometimes sudden and sometimes slow. Righteous living serves as a preserver. And I was reading and I was writing. And you remember that time that God was about to destroy Sodom and Abraham said, now, Lord, I I want to do a survey. And if I can find some righteous people, will you spare it? Started out 40, 30, 20, dropped. And while he's taking that survey, that righteous man, Abraham, delayed the fire that later fell on Sodom. Do you think your righteousness is important in this society and world we live in? Righteous living serves as a preserver and carnal living is against God and it brings about correction and judgment. Carnal living grieves God. Now does the Spirit of God dwell in you? And if Christ is in you, uh, why do you respond to sin? Well, let's ask Peter why he responded to sin. You know, he did what uh, the Lord said he was going to do. And Peter said, not me, Lord. You can count on me. But Peter got with the wrong crowd and the wrong power and warmed by the wrong fire. And Jesus knew what Peter was going to do and what he did. And Jesus prays for us that our faith fail not. Did you ever think about that? Lord's for you. He's not against you. He, he don't want you to mess up and fail. That you fail not. So the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it's never easy to live godly in a sinful world. And evil always challenges good. Now, if you know to do good and you do no good, it is sin. And the spirit promotes godly living And the same Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, and the same Spirit dwells in the believer. Is Christ in you? Do you have hope of glory? The salvation makes the saved sinner indebted, a debtor. So who are you living for? The devil, or self, or Jesus? Are you one of his children? Adopted into the family, a part of the family of God. Can you say, Abba, Father, save now. What are your plans? Are you living for Jesus? If Jesus is living in you, is he pleased with you? Oh, everybody likes to talk about being pleased with the Lord and pleased with the religion, going to heaven. How we're living. You see, we only have a few days. So why not work instead of wait? Why not be useful and helpful? Why not be fruitful, bear fruit, much fruit for the Lord? So what will we be doing if the Lord came tomorrow? Oh, you've already got plans for Tuesday, right? Now suppose he did come tomorrow. It would be sudden in a moment, the twinkle of an eye... And the trumpet would sound. Do you really have hope that is an anchor to your soul? Are you sure and steadfast? Can somebody mess you up and tell you that you're not going and 
you'll get to believing you're not going when you said you were going, when the trumpet sounds. Now, don't you grow weary in well-doing. If you keep on sowing good seed, you're going to reap. So tonight I just ask you a personal question. Uh, what about your life? Are you anxious? Are you troubled? Are you confused about anything? Hey, have you ever looked at the birds and watched them fly? Have you ever looked at the lilies of the field? They sure enough don't have any worries, do they? Who cares for them? The same God that cares for us. And then you're anxious. Uh, you're anxious about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, what you're going to buy. What am I going to sell? That's anxiety. Job said it was chasing the wind. I really like Job's statements. Uh, I really love the statement when he said, there's one thing about I, this problem that I have that I know that my Redeemer lives and it's going to be all right. So do you believe God knows about your needs? Does he supply all of your needs, part of your needs, some of the time or all of the time? Do you believe God cares about you? If he does the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, why wouldn't he care about you? Does he know that the sin problem is his, as it is today in the world? What did he offer to deal with the sin problem at the beginning? Grace. Is it enough? So do you believe Romans 8, 28? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And those he predestined, those he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. And what can we say to all of these things? Have you read the book? God is for us. Now, friends, don't forget it. God is for you. Now, you see, <clears throat> the sights I see indicate that evil men's growing worse and worse every day. Pain and shame and sorrow and disease and death is happening all around us. Conflicts and wars and hunger and hurricanes and floods and drought. <laughs> Do you see any evidences of evil and sin in this world today? I mean, do you ever get to saying, I just don't like what I'm seeing and I don't see why in the world it has to happen. You know, your thoughts are not new thoughts. David had them a long time ago. And in the 73rd Psalm, listen to what he said. It speaks to me about what I've said thus far. Why so much evil in this world? Why so much sin? I'm a little bit envious and jealous when I see the wicked do what they do and get by with it. That's my paraphrase on it. You better read the book. It, it's got words for you. Uh, they're not troubled as other men are troubled. And they're violent. And, and they have more than we have. And they're corrupt. And they're proud. And they speak words against God. They even say there is no God. And they add sin to sin. And they encourage others to sin. And they prosper in their ungodliness and their riches increase. 
And my life's not like that. What I see and what I know and what I hear is painful. You know, every now and then I say, now I'm not going to watch 530 News anymore. And then again, I'll go through and turn it on. Hear about the same thing, don't you? Sin's increasing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, what I see I can't explain. Does God really know what's going on? Does God really care? Is he for us? And then again, I, I hear him say, draw near to God. Turn to his word and seek his guidance and trust his word. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Even in a sinful world. Now, do you know that the way of the transgressor is hard? So they're not having near the fun they say they're having. And evil has never been understood. Let's talk to Job. (laughs) You know what all happened to Job. Did he understand it? Uh, Remember Joseph? I'll talk to you more about Job. Did he understand? Was everything working together for good? You know, what's new in the world today? Confusion was yesterday. Restless was yesterday. And today, we're like the restless sea. We're unstable. And folks were yesterday unstable. Uh, People are unsure. We're not sure what Russia's going to do. Do you suppose God has any knowledge about the world he created? So where do we look for help in this troubled time? Is our refuge and our strength still in the Lord? Or do we count on the economy? (laughs) Or do we count on health to correct our diseases and a shot that will keep us all well? And helps sought for in all the wrong places. Why? We're pleasure lovers. You know, I don't know what in the world our world would do if we hadn't had a ball to do something with. Then don't you young folks get mad at me. But I mean, can, can you imagine a world without a ball? It could be a little ball. It could be a big ball. Let's forget that. But you, you see, pleasure and, and wealth is increasing. And the abundance of things is what we're dealing with. I shouldn't tell you all this. Glasgow's putting in more storage buildings now for Baptists who go to the sales of yard sales and buy stuff they don't need because they might need it later. But when they bring it home, there's no place. I see some of you look like you've been there. <laughs> and and, and they're, they're paying me to promote this. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. But uh, abundance of things. And I've lived long enough to notice that Rust will corrupt a Cadillac or a Volkswagen. And thieves will steal. I don't care if you've got a lock on the door. And ladies, malls will get in your winter clothes that you've had all put up for the summer. and Just shake them out and maybe the holes will be in the side that won't show. But you know, look at the things we worry about and the abundance that we have. And When are we ever going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness? And all these things shall be added. You know, as you get older, you you get wiser. Anybody want to agree with me? 
And <laughs> it's just amazing how much I thought I needed that I didn't need. The abundance of things. Seek God first. <clears throat> and I have part of the time. And no good thing has He withheld from me. No good thing. I'm the apple of his eye. I know what you all think I'm proud about that, but so are you. You're precious in his sight. You can look all the world over and you won't find anybody like James Jones. You've noticed that by now. And you're a little different too. But God loves you and he has a plan for you to bless you if you'll hear his voice. And believe his truths, no good thing would he withhold from you. Morning to morning, new mercies I see. And all I've ever needed, he supplied my need. You know, I needed Jesus and God provided it through his son. I needed forgiveness of sin and it was only through Christ that I could be forgiven and cleansed. Do you know what I know? Do you have this gift of God? Who do you know that doesn't know this Savior? That's the power of revival, the joy of the Lord in the church, sharing your faith. You see, it's really providence that is active in the world. And what in the world is providence? Will all things really work together for good to them that love God? Is the providence of God and the sovereignty of God still working in an evil world? You see, providence can be explained as God's care expressed and visible. Now, you tell me that you've not seen God's care. We're just about to get ready for fall. And that means we've had summer, right? And we had spring, right? And we had, we're going to have winter, right? And that's providence. And I want to tell you, that's one thing the world can't touch. God's seasons. Just take, you don't, you remember when you were a child and then you got to be a young person, a youth, and then an adult, and then a senior adult. I mean, I, that's the only that, that's the top as far as you can go in our church, a senior adult. They, well, they go from heaven to senior adult to heaven, but don't worry about that. But isn't it amazing the providential plan God has for us? And conditions and circumstances cannot interfere with the providence of God. I think I referred to it last night, but I want to again. It's it's just a thing that joys my heart. You know, Jesus was kind of tired and weary and the disciples got him in a boat and they got out on the lake and everything was calm and Jesus fell asleep and he needed some rest, believe you, just like a preacher does every now and then. I mean, it's amazing. Some folks think a preacher never gets tired. I wish I could have preached this when I was young, but I, I didn't. And uh, so as, a, as they sailed along, you, you read the book, a storm came up and the disciples were frightened to the point that they thought they was about to lose their lives. And they said, Master, carest thou not that we pray? Wake up, Jesus, there's a storm raging. And he did. And you know what he did? He just spoke, peace, be still, and it calmed the storm. Let me tell you, we need to hear the Lord tell us, peace, be still. 
You can have a calm heart in a troubled sea if you believe and trust in him. He cares. But to deny providence is to deny faith and hope and love. And you know what? The reason we're not living successfully today in a troubled world is we don't believe in providence, in faith, hope, and love. It goes like this. Have faith, have hope, have charity. That's the way to live successfully. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. Oh, friends, if we just came to the book and came to the one who gave us the book and provided for us joy in the midst of sorrow, we could be blessed today. To believe him, to trust him, to obey him, supports a fellowship. That's the fellowship you share in tonight in the church. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And Paul said it, he did. He said, even if I suffer, and if, even if I go to jail, and even if I'm stoned, and, and, and if, if I do this thing willingly, it's going to be all right. Now, can you imagine somebody trying to do something for the Lord, not doing it willingly? I don't want to, Lord. You ought to get John to do it. And that goes back to old Jonah. I mean, he didn't have the want to in his heart. And he didn't give a hoot about Nineveh. And that's not King James. That's James Jones, a hoot. Got it? And so, uh, you know, the rest of it. Jonah really did have some trouble not wanting to agree with God's plan. And we know. And he should have known that it'd work out all right, but he didn't want it to work out right. You've got to labor together with God. Agree with God. And he'll bless you. In his providential care. Yes, God has foreknowledge. He calls. He elects. He makes a choice in you. He's really counting on you. You're leaning on him, aren't you? Are you trusting his promises? Do you really know he has a plan for your life? Do you think he can walk with you and talk with you? Do you ever listen to him when he talks? Does he ever speak to you at night when you're really quiet and shut down everything? Yes, he does to me. Foreknowledge. I really believe God knew I was going to be here tonight. Now, you planned it a long time ago, back in Easter time. And I thought, now, I might not make it. And I tried to be real careful, folks. I just tell you, I did. And here I am. You, you think God's shocked at that? You think he knows about my tomorrow? What about yours? If he has a world in his hand, he sure has my heart and my life and my body, all of me. That's not me. It's Christ in me. He's the director. He's the protector. He's the provider. It's all of him and what am I? but just one of his servants called, chosen, and elected to do what I do. And that's the power of truth and the power of God working in and through anybody who will agree with God. God is able and God is available to bless obedient people. But if a man chooses to be disobedient, 
God still loves them, but there is chastening and correction and rebuke. And then there is love still there. That's the love of the Father to us as his children. Now, if everything is really good and everything is working out for good, you tell me how it works. Well, let's go back to Joseph for a minute. Now, have you all noticed I'm pre- doing pretty good tonight, don't you all think? My son said, our dad will be long enough. And I just think that was wise thinking of the boy. But uh, you, you remember Joseph. Uh, I mean, I think it all started over that coat of many colors. Now, that's just my terminology of the explanation of the scripture. And, and those brothers didn't like Joseph. And, and they, just, they just spoke against him. They acted against him. And so uh, they hated him. They did him wrong. And one day they put him in a, a dry well, a pit, the Bible says. And, and as they did that, they must have had some bad thoughts about treating their brother that way because as they talked, there was a, a, a caravan of traders coming uh, their way and going to Egypt. And boy, those brothers said, this is it. Why don't we sell him to these slave traders going to Egypt? And they sold him. And uh, I'm going to go fast forward now. You folks really know what happened? I mean, Joseph gets down there to Egypt, and there's a famine, and he gets the hold of the keys and takes care of the grain and everything. And finally, those brothers came to him. It's really a needy time. And Joseph said to the brothers, you hated me. You spoke against me, and you did evil against me, but God did some good in it, and he spared his brothers. Oh, my friend, it may look bad, but God can take a bad activity and a bad heart and a bad action and make good come from it. Oh, he sure can. You remember that hill outside Jerusalem called Calvary? And you remember what they did to Jesus, God's only begotten son. They crucified him between two thieves. And as he lay dying, they said, you know, you've saved others. Save yourself and us if you be the son of God. And it looked pretty bad. It was evil. It was powerful. But I ask you something. Did God do something good in that He gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins. And if we would believe that good came out of that cross, that that Son of God died on, that I might be free from my sin and condemnation and know I'm going to heaven when I die. Yes, it's all right. Dying. To depart this life and be with Christ is better than being here if you know where you're going. And some folks don't know where they're going. There's only two places to go. You can either go with the Lord or without the Lord. And if you go with the Lord, it's heaven. And if you go without the Lord, it's hell. And life wants, God wants life to be good while you walk with him and talk with him down here. So how about the sin debt? Is it settled? You know, when Jesus died on the cross, 
He died once and for all. He became the sacrifice that would never need to be repeated. One offering and that blood from that cross would cover our sins if we'd believe and trust in the Jesus that God sent to do what he did for us that we could be saved. Are you saved tonight? Do you know you've asked the Lord to come into your heart? Can you think back uh, about that time when you knew you were lost and, and you really prayed and you asked Christ to come into your heart to save you from sin? And he did. Some of you shared that last night. Wasn't it a good time? Isn't it a great time And you can tell anybody, I'm saved. No, I'm going to heaven. I don't hope so. I don't think so. I don't believe maybe it will. I know I'm going to heaven. I, I want you folks to write that down because you'll be around some of you when I'm gone from here to be with the Lord. And to depart this life is going to be better. Oh, it's been a wonderful journey. How about you? And you've been blessed. Walking with the Lord, living for Jesus. I mean, you, you don't think there's going to be a disconnect time, do you? And uh, now there, there could be tough times ahead. Paul, you know, he knew he's saved and he said everything's working together for good. And I just want you to know I'm persuaded, Paul said. Are you ready for this? That <clears throat> sin and Satan and troublesome times can't separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, just think for a moment. What can make you lost? Now, you can sin. Will that sin make you lost? That sin will take away the joy of your salvation, but that sin won't annul your salvation. The gift of God. Let me, let's, let's close out with this. I'm getting almost finished, Charles. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have, and then you worry about losing it. Who's keeping it? Who gave it to you? But now then, you can abuse it. You can misuse it. You can be without appreciation and thanksgiving and praise for it, but get ready for some judgment and correction and rebuke for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and corrects, but he's got loving arms and he says, I love you. And all oh, that's seeing the prodigal son. Sure as seen again and again in the prodigal son. Tonight as we close our time of worship. We want to have a time of invitation. I, I really struggle to know how to invite you. To respond to what God's spoken to you about. It could be in the pew that you respond. It could be you saying Lord I want to get closer to you. It could be that you, you said, Lord, I, I want to confess some sins and I want to ask for forgiveness and I want you to bless me. And you could be praying for your neighbors. You, you have your friends you've prayed for that's sick and have burdens and problems and some even back tonight. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What are you going to pray for tonight? What are you going to ask God to do for you tonight? Has he blessed you? Do you want another blessing? As we stand right now and sing, Brother Murphy, what do we sing? Page 141. 141.
Pastor and I wait if you wish to come and pray. We'll pray with you. If you have a friend here and they need to come and pray and you want to invite them to come and pray with you, please do. The Lord will bless. Can 